It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to the reading of the New York Times for Monday, November 7th, 2022. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. Your reader for today is Mary Fullington. We'll start today's reading with the Merriam-Webster word of the day, which is serendipity. Serendipity is a noun spelled S-E-R-E-N-D-I-P-I-T-Y. Serendipity means luck that takes the form of finding valuable or pleasant things that are not looked for. An example, we found the restaurant by pure serendipity rather than careful research, but it turned out to be the best deal in town. Serendipity. The article's appearing on the front page of the New York Times for November 7th, 2022, one day before the midterm elections. And above the fold are as follows. Confidence, anxiety, and a scramble for votes two days before the midterms. As midterms near, Biden faces a nation as polarized as ever. Trump-DeSantis rift grows with dueling rallies in Florida. In affluent Greenwich, it's Republicans versus Trumplicans. And we'll get right into it. Confidence, anxiety, and a scramble for votes two days before the midterms by Lisa Lehrer, Jennifer Medina, and Jonathan Wiseman, reporting from Delaware County, Pennsylvania. The turbulent midterm campaign rolled through its final weekend on Sunday as voters, buffeted by record inflation, worries about their personal safety, and fears about the fundamental stability of American democracy, showed clear signs of preparing to reject democratic control of Washington and embrace divided government. As candidates sprinted across the country to make their closing arguments to voters, Republicans entered the final stretch of the race confident they would win control of the House and possibly the Senate. Democrats steeled themselves for potential losses even in traditionally blue corners of the country. On Sunday, President Biden campaigned for Governor Kathy Hochul of New York 
in a Yonkers precinct where he won 80% of the vote in 2020, signaling the deep challenges facing his party two years after he claimed a mandate to enact a sweeping domestic agenda. Former President Donald J. Trump addressed supporters in Miami, another sign of Republican optimism that the party could flip Florida's most populous urban county for the first time in two decades. In the rally at Sarah Lawrence College in Bronxville, New York, Mr. Biden characterized Election Day and the coming 2024 campaign as inflection points for the next 20 years. Voters, he said, had a clear choice between two fundamentally different visions of America. Mr. Trump, meanwhile, took the stage for about 90 minutes to blast Democrats as being soft on crime, relitigate grievances about his presidency in the 2020 election, and boast that he has motivated Hispanic voters, especially in Florida, to shift toward the Republican Party. Quote, We need a landslide so big that the radical left cannot rig or steal it, he said, minutes before a rainstorm soaked the crowd. Quote, We are going to take back America. The appearances represented an unusual capstone to an extraordinary campaign, the first post-pandemic, post-Roe, post-January 6 national election in a fiercely divided country shaken by growing political violence and lies about the last major election. While a majority of voters named the economy as their top concern, nearly three-quarters of Americans believe democracy is in peril, with most identify the opposing party as the major threat. Should Republicans sweep the House contests, their control could empower the party's right wing, giving an even bigger bullhorn to lawmakers who traffic in conspiracy theories and falsehoods, like Representatives Marjorie Taylor Greene of Georgia and Matt Gates of Florida. A central question for Democrats is whether such a distinctive moment overrides fierce historical headwinds. Since 1935, excuse me, since 1934, Nearly every president has lost seats in his first midterm election, and typically voters punish the party in power for poor economic conditions, dynamics that point toward Republican gains. After days of campaigning across rural Nevada, Adam Laxalt, the Republican challenging Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, rallied supporters in and around Las Vegas this weekend, predicting a, quote, red wave that is deep and wide. Mr. Laxalt noted that Mr. Biden did not campaign in Nevada this year and blamed him for the state's 15 percent inflation. Quote, he's going to call you anti-democratic for using the democratic system to give us a change, he told supporters on Sunday in Clark County, the state's largest county. Quote, but that change is coming. The midterm's final landscape hinted that voters were prioritizing fiscal worries over more existential fears about democracy or preserving abortion rights. From liberal northeastern suburbs to western states, Republican strategists, lawmakers, and officials now say they could flip major parts of the country and expand their margins in southern and rust belt states that have been fertile ground for their party for much of the last decade. There were also some early signs that key parts of the coalition that boosted Democrats to victory in 2018 and 2020, moderate suburban white women and Latino voters, were swinging toward Republican candidates. Top Democratic officials made 11th-hour efforts to shore up their base. Vice President Kamala Harris made stops in Chicago to help Illinois Democrats. The First Lady, Jill Biden, traveled to Houston on Sunday, trying to lift party turnout in Harris County a stronghold for Democrats in Texas. 
In the House, where Republicans need to flip five seats to control the chamber, the party vied for districts in Democratic bastions, including in Rhode Island, exurban New York, Oregon, and California. Republican strategists touted their surprisingly close standing in governor's races in longer-shot blue states like New York, New Mexico, and Oregon. At the same time, the Senate remains a toss-up, with candidates locked in near-dead-even races in three states, Georgia, Nevada, and Pennsylvania, and tight races in at least another four. Republicans need just one additional seat to win control. Quote, everyone on the Republican side should be optimistic, said Senator Rick Scott, a Florida Republican and the head of the Republican Senate campaign arm. Mr. Scott predicted his party would flip the chamber, going beyond the 51 seats needed for control. If you look at the polls now, we have every reason to think we'll be over 52. For months, Democratic candidates in key races have outpaced Mr. Biden's low approval ratings, aided by flawed Republican opponents who had been boosted to primary victories by Mr. Trump. Continuing to outrun the leader of their party grew more difficult as perceptions of the economy worsened and as Republican groups unleashed a fall ad blitz accusing their opponents of being weak on crime. Quote, it's a close race. It's a jump ball for sure. Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, the Democrat running for Senate in Pennsylvania against Mehmet Oz, the television personality, told a group of supporters in suburban Philadelphia. Dr. Oz and Mr. Fetterman both spent time in the Philadelphia area on Sunday, battling in particular in the crucial swing suburbs. A day after joining Mr. Trump at a rally in the Pittsburgh exurbs, Dr. Oz campaigned with Senator Susan Collins of Maine and Representative Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, two more moderate Republicans. In Georgia, the former South Carolina governor, Nikki Haley, told supporters not to feed into national headlines about Republican strength as she campaigned with Herschel Walker, the Republican nominee, in the conservative Northwest Atlanta exurbs. Quote, don't listen to this red wave stuff they're talking to you about. The win that will happen in Georgia will simply be based on turnout, she said. Do more of us show up than they do? And in the Las Vegas suburbs, former President Bill Clinton appeared with Ms. Cortez Masto to urge a crowd of labor union members to warn their family and friends not to cast a protest vote for Republicans, who he said would be terrible for working-class people. Quote, They're gambling that they have this magic moment where we'll all be so mad we'll stop thinking, he said. Quote, Between now and Tuesday, people here could change the outcome of this election. In the House, the question is how large next year's Republican majority will be. Some strategists have increased their estimates of how many seats the GOP will gain from a handful to more than 25, which is well over the threshold for control of the chamber. Some of the Democratic challenges are structural. Republicans could pick up three seats just from redistricting, according to some estimates. And a wave of Democratic retirements means more than a dozen seats in competitive districts lack incumbents to defend them. Paired with the number of seats leaning Republican or considered toss-ups, those obstacles are the makings of a landslide if undecided voters break decisively for the party out of power. It's not a surprise that this is a tough cycle, said Sean Patrick Maloney, the head of the Democratic House campaign arm, who is in danger of losing his seat in New York's Hudson Valley, which Mr. Biden won by 10 percentage points. We are very much aware of what we're up against. 
In governor's races, Republican candidates modeled after Mr. Trump face decidedly mixed prospects, reflecting their party's struggles with his continued influence. Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida seemed poised for re-election, while Carrie Lake, the Republican nominee in Arizona, faces a tough battle. Doug Mastriano, the far-right nominee in Pennsylvania, was expected to lose, but Governor Brian Kemp of Georgia and Governor Mike DeWine of Ohio, both of whom clashed with Mr. Trump, appear to have solidified their hold. In some ways, the congressional elections are less consequential than some of the state elections, given that Mr. Biden will still be in the White House to block Republican legislation. In Wisconsin and North Carolina, the party is on the verge of breakthroughs in state legislatures that would give it almost total control of their governments. If Republicans gain just a handful of House and Senate seats in North Carolina, Governor Roy Cooper, a Democrat, faces the prospect of a, Repub- of a Republican supermajority, rendering his veto pen obsolete to stop policies like a state abortion ban. If Republicans flip only one of the two state Supreme Court seats up for re-election Tuesday, a Republican-controlled high court could ratify even more gerrymandered state legislative maps that would lock in Republican control for the foreseeable future. Quote, yes, we're concerned about it because the Republicans got to draw their own districts, Mr. Cooper said. Quote, we know this is a very purple 50-50 state, yet we have a situation with unfair maps of maybe a supermajority. But the chaotic events of the post-Trump era, along with questions about the very mechanics of elections, have injected a heavy dose of uncertainty into the outcome of the 2020 midterms. Democratic strategists have been enthusiastic about early voting, saying that it matched, or was higher, than the turnout two years ago when the party swept the House. More than 30 million ballots have been cast already, exceeding the 2018 total. And the Democratic advantage is 11 percentage points nationwide, even better than in 2018, according to Tom Bonnier, the chief executive of TargetSmart, a firm that analyzes political data. But Republican candidates have followed Mr. Trump's lead in denouncing mail voting and encouraging their voters to cast their ballots on Election Day. So those early Democratic numbers could be swamped by Republican votes on Tuesday. Republicans, meanwhile, point to polling averages that crept toward the GOP in the final week, but a number of the polls were conducted by Republican-leaning firms, which could influence the outcome of those surveys. And after several cycles of polling underestimating Trump voters, it's unclear whether pollsters have correctly captured the electorate. Quote, I've never been one who has put my bets on any poll, because I think, particularly at this time, people are not sharing where they are, said Senator Patty Murray, a Democrat of Washington, who is facing a tough re-election battle in her blue state. Hispanic voters are likely to play a crucial role in Tuesday's election, though both sides remain uncertain how much the landscape has shifted. In two of the states that are likely to determine control of the Senate— Nevada and Arizona. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. 
Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. They make up roughly 20% of the electorate. Latinos also account for more than 20% of registered voters in more than a dozen hotly contested House races, including in California, Colorado, Florida, and New Mexico. Quote, the data itself right now is a picture of uncertainty, said Carlos Odio, who runs Equus, a Democratic-leaning research firm that focuses on Latino voters. Quote, we're not seeing further decline for Democratic support, but the party has relied on very high margins in the past. Next article. As midterms near, Biden faces a nation as polarized as ever. By Peter Baker. From Albuquerque, New Mexico. Before heading into a community center for a campaign rally the other day, President Biden stopped to speak to the overflow crowd that could not squeeze into the small facility. As often happens whenever Mr. Biden finds a microphone and a willing audience, his family made a cameo appearance. This time, it was his long-dead grandparents. Quote, Every time I'd walk out of my grandpop's house, he'd yell, Joey, keep the faith, the president recounted. My grandmother would yell, No, Joey, spread it. Go spread the faith. Mr. Biden has been spreading the faith across the country in recent days, undaunted by the polls and prognosticators forecasting a devastating defeat for his party in Tuesday's midterm elections. Faith has been Mr. Biden's calling card in his nearly two years in office, faith in the system in which he has been a fixture for more than half a century, faith that he could repair the fissures of a broken society, faith that he and he alone could beat former President Donald J. Trump if they face off again in 2024. It is not a faith shared by everyone, not even among fellow Democrats, not even among his own advisors and allies, some of whom view the coming days with dread. After turning to Mr. Biden for a sense of normalcy two years ago following the turmoil of Mr. Trump, voters now appear poised to register discontent that he has not delivered it the way they expected, regardless of whether it was realistic in the first place. History has rarely favored first-term presidents in midterm elections, and Mr. Biden's party does not even have to lose in a landslide for him to lose the presidency as he has known it. 
the turnover of just a handful of House seats and a single Senate seat will severely constrain his options going forward and raise questions about whether he should lead the Democrats into the next election. And so these are frustrating, even perplexing times for Mr. Biden, who, according to confidants, has expected the fever of polarizing politics to have broken by now and was surprised that it had not. The presidency he envisioned, one where he presided over a moment of reconciliation, is not the presidency he has gotten. He thought that if he could simply govern well, everything would work out, which in hindsight strikes some around him as shockingly naive, if somewhat endearing. Quote, In the old days, when I was a United States senator, we'd argue like hell with one another, disagree fundamentally, and go down to the Senate dining room and have lunch together. Mr. Biden reflected to an audience in San Diego last week, because we disagreed on the issues, but we agreed on the notion that the institutions matter. Well, the institutions are under full-blown attack, he said. I'm already being told if they win back the House and Senate, they're going to impeach me. I don't know what the hell they'll impeach me for. Like other presidents in stressful moments, he has turned to Abraham Lincoln for inspiration As he traveled in recent days, he brought with him, quote, And there was Light, the new biography of the 16th president by John Meacham, the historian who has become a friend and outside advisor to Mr. Biden. Quote, One possible lesson for for President Biden, who's engaged in a profound battle to preserve the Constitution and the rule of law, is that moral commitment matters and can prevail, no matter how difficult the struggle. Mr. Meacham said, quote, There will be bad days and good days. The key thing is to remember why you're fighting for what you're fighting for. The bad days often seem to outnumber the good days in this challenging autumn, although Mr. Biden, the self-described wacko Irishman, would hardly put it that way. I'm optimistic, he says, regularly, even while outlining all the ways his optimism is taking a beating lately. He does not indulge often in introspection, nor subject himself to much cross-examination about where he believes he has gone wrong, if in fact he does. He avoids interviews with major networks and newspapers, preferring friendlier questioners like the podcast who told him mid-interview recently that, quote, you're the coolest guy in the world. As he approaches his 80th birthday this month, Mr. Biden's life is less in his control than it has been in years. He starts his day at 8 a.m. with exercises then heads to the Oval Office, returning to the residence around 7 p.m. for dinner with Jill Biden. Since she teaches in the morning, she goes to bed earlier, around 9.30 p.m., while he tells people that he stays up with his thick briefing book until around 11 p.m. He does not read much for pleasure, and when he watches television, it is mainly the news or sports. He elliptically acknowledges the effects of age during a conversation with the actors Jason Bateman Sean Hayes, and Will Arnett for their podcast, Smart Less. Mr. Biden said he cannot skip workouts without penalty. Quote, the thing I learned, the difference in age, if I let it go for a week, I feel it, he said. Quote, I used to be able to go for a week and nothing would change. Perhaps sharing more than his wife might prefer, the president confided that Mrs. Biden insists he combat the effects of age in other ways. Quote, she gets very upset if I have not fully shaven all this excessive amount of hair I have, he said. You know what I mean? 
His family remains an inseparable element of his life and his politics. Barely a speech on the trail goes by that he does not mention his son, Beau, who died of brain cancer in 2015. His dad and mom are quoted with great regularity. He makes a point of texting or calling each of his seven grandchildren every day. And so those around him know the most important voice in his ear as he contemplates what comes next is Jill Biden. While aides make tentative plans for a re-election campaign in case he opts for one, the president has not had extensive conversations about it with some of his closest aides. He insists to them, though, that Mrs. Biden is all in if he wants to run, a self-justifying contention some view with skepticism. In that sense, the return to the campaign trail this fall after a largely shelter-in-place COVID-19 campaign in 2020 has served as something of a test run of what a 2024 bid might look like. He is not a rip-roaring speaker, nor does he have the celebrity factor that electrifies a crowd beyond the trappings of the office. His crowds have been enthusiastic, but nowhere near as large as his recent predecessors drew at similar points. At an event in Hallandale Beach, Florida, one of his warm-up speakers had to goad the audience into showing a little more spirit. Come on, people, let's wake up, exhorted Representative Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Democrat of Florida. Quote, we got the President of the United States in the House. Come on now. I know you got a little more energy than I hear. At a rally in Miami Gardens later that day, he was an hour late, and the crowd, which had been there for hours to get through security, had faded by the time he was halfway through his speech, some even slipping out before he was finished. Mr. Biden has adjusted his style lately, abandoning the lectern for a handheld mic that lets him better project his voice, which is softening with age, and allows him to wander the stage hand in pocket. But his speeches are peppered with familiar Bidenisms like, quote, I'm serious, and look, folks, and I really mean it. Mr. Biden seems to think he comes across as funnier than he does. Quote, not a joke he says again and again, four, eight, ten times in a single speech. In San Diego last week, he told one audience that his remarks were, quote, not a joke, a full 17 times, and threw in, I'm not joking, four more times. A Biden speech is like a drinking game for political nerds. Not a joke? Drink. Indeed, Mr. Biden has always connected with audiences, not through humor, so much as humanity. His speeches are animated by stories of pain, his young wife and daughter killed in a car accident, his own near-death experience with two brain aneurysms, his son Bo's death. He still summons the name of the nurse who took care of him in the hospital more than three decades ago. Quote, people understand that I understand loss. And I think it's so important that people understand that from that loss, the pain never goes away. But you can do incredible things, he said last week. Quote, the person you lost never leaves your heart. I don't know how many times I ask myself, what would Bo do? Even now, his childhood struggles with stuttering define him. To this day, he divides his speech texts with hash marks, a technique he learned to make public speaking earlier. And the insecurities that come from it are never far from the surface. He brought it up last week, seemingly at random. Quote, I used to, 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 to talk, talk like that when I was a kid, he told one audience. Quote, 
It's awful hard to ask the girl, will you go to the prom with me? And it sounds funny, but guess what? It makes you feel like an idiot. Anticipating the next few days, Mr. Biden refuses to concede defeat. He was encouraged by the energy of Saturday night's rally in Pennsylvania with former President Barack Obama and Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, the Senate candidate, as well as positive indicators from Arizona and New Hampshire. His mood, aides said, is one of fighting through the tape. Quote, he's spent the last weeks pushing us. What else can he do? Said Anita Dunn, his senior advisor. But if he takes a licking on Tuesday, aides said, he will own it and move ahead. In a life of falling and getting back up, it would be one more stumble, not the end. On that, at least, he has faith. Next article. Trump-DeSantis rift grows with dueling rallies in Florida. By Michael C. Bender and Patricia Mazai. From Sun City Center, Florida. Former President Donald J. Trump hasn't endorsed Governor Ron DeSantis this year because, as he has explained, his fellow Floridian never asked. Mr. DeSantis didn't attend the Trump rally on Sunday in Miami, his allies said, because he wasn't personally invited. Bruised egos are commonplace in politics, but rarely has a rift at the top of the party spilled so fully into view at such a pivotal moment. At a rally on Saturday night in Latrobe, Pennsylvania, Mr. Trump bestowed one of his signature nicknames on Mr. DeSantis, Ron DeSanctimonious. Their escalating tensions took center stage on Sunday with dueling campaign rallies in Florida just two days before voting concludes in the 2022 midterm elections. Mr. Trump campaigned in South Florida with Senator Marco Rubio and other Florida Republicans, while Mr. DeSantis made his case for re-election during a set of events along the state's west coast. Trump didn't repeat the taunt on Sunday, and Mr. DeSantis didn't mention the former president at his events. But the collateral damage from their impasse looms as a distraction for their party in the final days of the midterms and could threaten deeper divisions among Republicans as they aim to recapture the White House in 2024. Quote, nothing like trashing a Republican governor four days before Election Day when his name is on the ballot. Hashtag team. Josh Holmes, a Republican strategist and former campaign manager for Senator Mitch McConnell, the Republican Senate leader, wrote on Twitter. Mr. Trump has been telling supporters, both publicly and privately, that he will announce another presidential bid soon. Mr. DeSantis is widely viewed as the leading alternative for the Republican nomination, Speculation fueled by his right raising a staggering $200 million to support his re-election bid, including about $90 million unspent. And running a nationalized campaign in which he attacks President Biden more often than his Democratic challenger, former Representative Charlie Crist. Mr. Trump and Mr. DeSantis are the most popular politicians in the refashioned Republican Party. The 76-year-old former host of The Apprentice and the 44-year-old lawyer who has positioned himself. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. 
Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To take over as master. The former president has long claimed a kind of ownership stake in the rise of Mr. DeSantis, who was a relatively anonymous backbencher for six years in Congress when his underdog campaign for governor in 2018 was lifted by Mr. Trump's endorsement. But Mr. Trump's generosity carries a price, and he has repeatedly expressed bewilderment that Mr. DeSantis hasn't displayed a satisfactory amount of loyalty, according to people close to the former president. Mr. Trump has been particularly irritated by the separation Mr. DeSantis has created between them, from criticizing the COVID vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccines developed during the Trump administration, to endorsing Joe O'Day, the Republican Senate candidate in Colorado, just days after the former president criticized him. Mr. Trump has been privately testing derisive nicknames for Mr. DeSantis with his friends and advisors, including the put-down he used on Saturday. Roger Stone, a longtime Trump advisor, appeared to test drive the nickname for the former president on October 27th when he used it in a post on Mr. Trump's social media website, Truth Social. Mr. Trump has expressed reluctance over criticizing the Florida governor too aggressively before the midterms. But some people close to him said the decision to cast Mr. DeSantis as hypocritically pious solidified itself after the governor's team released a video Friday aimed at infusing his candidacy with a sense of the divine. The 96-second black-and-white video, which invokes God ten times, was fashioned after a famous, quote, So God Made a Farmer speech in the 1970s by the radio broadcaster Paul Harvey. The original speech, which Ram trucks were used in a Super Bowl commercial in 2013, was aimed at highlighting the importance of farming. Mr. DeSantis's version, posted by his wife Casey, promotes his political brand. Quote, and on the eighth day, the deep voice narrator says in Mr. DeSantis's video, God looked down on his planned paradise and said, I need a protector, so God made a fighter. The video seemed aimed at turning Mr. DeSantis into an object of veneration, much as Mr. Trump has for some time been viewed by many Christian nationalists and other fervent supporters as an almost messianic figure. Mr. Trump, who was in Pennsylvania on Saturday to support a slate of Republican candidates, casually dropped the new epithet into his speech while pointing out his wide lead over Mr. DeSantis in early polls of a hypothetical Republican primary field. A branding magnate who has affixed his family name to everything from cuts of steak to lines of clothing, Mr. Trump used a pair of giant TV screens flanking the stage at his rally 
to display a half-dozen slides of poll numbers that underscored his political strength among Republicans. In Florida, Mr. DeSantis has downplayed talk about a potential presidential bid, but he pointedly refused to say during a debate with Mr. Crist whether, if re-elected, he would serve all four years. Mr. DeSantis scheduled 13 rallies across Florida between Friday and Monday, including three on Sunday, leaving some Republican candidates in the awkward position of having to choose whether to campaign with the governor or the former president. Senators Marco Rubio and Rick Scott were in Miami, as were seven members of Congress. Jimmy Petronas, the state's elected chief financial officer, introduced Mr. DeSantis at the campaign stop in Sun City Center. Mr. DeSantis devoted much of his hour-long speech to about 500 people at a community hall to his response to the COVID-19 pandemic. He made sure to point out that his pandemic policies separated him from Democrats and even some Republicans. Quote, as a leader, I need to be more concerned about jobs for the people I represent than worrying about my own, Mr. DeSantis said. After the event, Mary Bishop, a 73-year-old retiree from Sun City Center, said she was upset that Mr. Trump had attacked Mr. DeSantis. She said she had voted twice for Mr. Trump, but preferred Mr. DeSantis in 2024. Quote, we need someone who can bring us together and doesn't constantly divide the races and religions, she said. Quote, it's always the same playbook with Trump. In Miami, Mr. Trump praised at length, quote, the wonderful Senator Marco Rubio, calling him a friend and saying the people of Florida would re-elect him. Quote, you're going to re-elect Ron DeSantis as your governor, Mr. Trump added. That was the only mention of his potential 2024 rival in his 90-minute grievance-filled speech, during which Mr. Trump blasted Democrats as soft on crime and boasted about Hispanic voters shifting toward the Republican Party. Quote, I will probably have to do it again, he said about seeking the presidency in 2024, but stay tuned. At the Trump rally, Laney Guthrie, 57, of Royal Palm Beach, said that Mr. DeSantis should have attended the rally with the former president. Mr. Trump, she said, should, quote, be able to finish what he started in his first term. Quote, he was doing a great job for our country, whether people like him or not, Ms. Guthrie said. Quote, he's entitled to run again. That's owed to him. In Pennsylvania on Saturday, Mr. Trump's attack on Mr. DeSantis drew a mix of laughs and groans from the crowd. Quote, oh, no shouted one woman. Jess Rhodes, a 38-year-old university employee from Blair County, Pennsylvania, left her first Trump rally on Tuesday, energized by the experience, but conflicted over how she would choose between her two favorite Republicans. Quote, I don't know what I'd do, she said. Next article, in Affluent Greenwich, it's Republicans versus Trumplicans, by Dan Barry, reporting from Greenwich, Connecticut. Over the summer, the Greenwich Country Day School sent out an invitation for its annual Cider and Donuts event. To emphasize its commitment to diversity, the school noted that the autumn gathering was open to families, quote, who identify as Black, Asian, Latinx, multiracial, indigenous, Middle Eastern, and or people of color. But to the alarm of the local Republican town committee, the invitation left out a demographic not often thought of as marginalized in this affluent community. You listed nearly every group but white people. Was that on purpose? The committee asked in an Instagram post. 
Quote, is that how you bring people together? Inclusion? Stunned, the private school's administrator graciously said the letter could have more clearly conveyed that all were welcome for cider, after which the Republican committee congratulated itself for striking a blow for civil rights. Quote, glad the RTC has helped our community become more inclusive. The culture wars were destined to spill someday into the rarefied precincts of Greenwich, but who in the name of George Bush would have expected the charge to be led by a band of Trump acolytes who have taken control of the town's Republican committee? The electoral worth of the party's far-right swerve will be tested nationwide in this week's midterm elections. Here in Greenwich, long a bastion of moderate Republicans like the elder Mr. Bush, a Greenwich Country Day alum, The takeover has people asking, who are these Greenwich Republicans, and did they lock the town's traditional Republican leaders in the hold of some yacht in Greenwich Harbor? The answer? They are a small, well-organized group that essentially applied the precinct strategy espoused by the former Trump strategist Stephen K. Bannon, which calls for toppling local political establishments to clear the way for like-minded Republican candidates who will one day guide the country's future. Beth McGillivray, the chairwoman of the new Republican Town Committee, which stands by its, quote, inclusion moment, said the previous committee was too moderate and lackadaisical. She promised a, quote, red wave coming in the midterm elections. But some Greenwich Republicans worry that their party may venture so far right it will fall off the political cliff. For them, former President Donald J. Trump is the unpredictable uncle who could turn the family barbecue into a three-alarm fire. You don't deny the relationship, but you don't volunteer it either. This ambivalence was highlighted in 2019, even before the committee's rightward lurch, when Republicans became apoplectic over a sudden sprouting of campaign signs linking Mr. Trump with Fred Camillo, their candidate for the mayor-like position of first selectman. Quote, Trump Camillo, the sign said, make Greenwich great again. The signs turned out to be the satirical handiwork of Mark Kordick, a registered Democrat and Greenwich police captain with 31 years on the force. According to court records, Mr. Camillo texted a supporter, quote, he better pray I do not win because I would be the police commissioner and he will be gone. Mr. Camillo did win and Mr. Kordick was fired. In suing the town and several officials, Mr. Kordick said that the signs were, quote, to remind undecided voters and moderate Republicans unhappy with Trump that Camilo and Trump were members of the same party. The lawsuit, like the midterm elections, is pending. Greenwich, with its increasingly diverse population of 63,000, is no longer a Republican stronghold known for fiscal conservatism and social moderation. Just five years ago, the town had considerably more registered Democrats, Republicans, than Democrats. Just five years ago, the town had considerably more registered Republicans than Democrats. Today, Democrats outnumber Republicans, while unaffiliated voters, including more than a few disaffected Republicans, outnumber both. A central reason, the device of Mr. Trump, who was trounced here by Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. He was vilified by the town's progressives and disliked by most moderate Republicans, though he found support among some wealthy and influential residents. It was against this backdrop that the Republican Town Committee chose Dan Quigley, 50, as its new chairman in early 2020. A financial services consultant, stay-at-home father, and party moderate, he said he benefited from being a political neophyte, 
quote, no baggage, no animosity, no such luck. Before long, Mr. Quickly found himself at odds with Carl Higby, a local Trump stalwart who in 2018 had resigned his position with the Trump administration after CNN reported his history of offensive statements, including, quote, I believe wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly, that the black race as a whole, not totally, is lazier than the white race, period. Mr. Higby, who said these past comments were either flat-out stupid or taken out of context, contacted Mr. Quigley about delivering Trump signs to party headquarters for the 2020 campaign, only to have Mr. Quigley explain that he had quietly prohibited Trump material so as not to hurt the chances of the party's local candidates. Mr. Trump would be crushed here by Joseph R. Biden, Jr., who would win 62% of the vote. This irked Mr. Higby, who led, which led to internal bickering, which led to a compromise of sorts. Some Trump signs were delivered to party headquarters, only to be consigned to a corner and covered with a tarp. Mr. Higby, 39, is now the host of a morning weekend program on the right-wing broadcaster Newsmax. He said recently that he had long been unhappy with the, quote, very establishment Jeb Bush-style Republican Party in his hometown. Quote, historically squishy, he said, and he was still annoyed by Mr. Quigley's suppression of Trump signs. Quote, look, dude, if you're not going to support our presidential nominee, the sitting president, we have a problem with that, Mr. Higby said. Quote, it turned a lot of people off. Mr. Quigley called the moment, quote, the first altercation I had with this group. It was not his last. Months later, some Republicans vehemently opposed one of the town committee's nominees for the Board of Education, Michael Joseph Mercanti Anthony, a longtime educator with a doctorate in education leadership whose employment in the New York City school system made him suspect. What's more, he had donated about $400 to the Biden campaign. Quote, they saw that as unforgivable, said Mr. Mercanti Anthony, 47, who described himself as, quote, a conservative who does not believe Trump possesses the competence to be president. Mr. Higby used his Newsmax platform to criticize Mr. Quigley and Mr. Mercanti Anthony as Republicans in name only. He showed their photographs to his national audience, including one of Mr. Mercanti Anthony with his two sons. Their faces blurred, Mr. Higby said, quote, because we're civil here. Quote, we can't let these clowns get away with this anymore. Mr. Higby told his viewers. Mr. McCanty Anthony won more votes than any other school board candidate in last November's local elections, part of a Republican sweep that included retaining control of the town's powerful finance board. An unqualified success for Mr. Quigley, it would seem. Days later, in an opinion piece in the local paper, Mr. Quigley urged Republicans to move on from Mr. Trump, an, quote, ego-driven political opportunist, he wrote, and described the party's right wing as, quote, angry outsiders who base their conclusions, quote, on dodgy facts and conspiracy theories. Most Greenwich Republicans do not share their values. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+.
He wrote with confidence. Organizations like the Greenwich Republican Town Committee may seem more like vanity projects than vehicles of power, but they decide who appears on a party's endorsed ballot for the school board, the town council, the state legislature, the stepping stones to higher office. Normally, the committee's underpublicized meetings attract few people, but on two frigid nights in early January, hundreds of registered Republicans showed up for caucuses to elect their committee members for the next two years, after some stealthy coordination by an anti-moderate contingent that included sending out, quote, Dear Neighbor leaflets, vowing to, quote, protect Greenwich from turning into San Francisco. The insurgent slate overwhelmed the Republican caucuses, winning 41 of the 63 committee seats. Quote, a complete, total bloodbath, acknowledged Mr. Quigley, who commended the winners for being, quote, well-organized, but also accused them of a, quote, political coup. Quote, it makes no sense, he said. We weren't Democrats, we weren't socialists, but people who previously were not engaged in politics believed that narrative. Five self-described working mothers took over the executive committee, including Mr. Quigley's successor as chair, Ms. McGillivray, 60, who was fairly new to politics. She later recalled that when asked in 2020 to help Kimberly Fiorello, a conservative Republican, run for state representative, she initially balked, joking, it's golf season, for God's sake. Ms. McGillivray, more seasoned now, wrote in an email that despite the electoral success under Mr. Quigley, people were dissatisfied with his inactions and wanted a more dynamic and responsive leadership. Others said that dissatisfaction with the, quote, woke direction of the public schools also played a role. The new committee cites the familiar guiding principles of limited government, parental rights, and individual freedom, as well as, quote, America first, the catch-all trope of Mr. Trump. Still, the abrupt change in tone has been like golf cleats clattering on a country club's marble floor. There was the perceived need to champion white inclusion in mostly white Greenwich, for example, And the time Ms. McGillivray, in opposing transgender athletes in scholastic sports, told the school board that men on her college ski team were consistently stronger and faster, and, quote, even one of the male ski racers who was, quote, gay, she said, quote, outskied any girl or woman on the race course every time. There is also the committee's connection to the Greenwich Patriots, a hard-right group that at times seems like the id to the town committee's ego. The Patriots contend that COVID-19 vaccines are unsafe, rail against highly sexualized, pornographic, and profanity-laced content in schools, and serve as a conduit for Mr. Trump, promoting his events and sharing his specious claim that the 2020 election was stolen. Quote, in case you are wondering, the group's daily newsletter once advised, quote, election fraud was rampant in the 2020 election in all 50 states, including in Connecticut. False. More than 1.8 million Connecticut residents voted in the 2020 election, but the state's Elections Enforcement Commission has received just 31 complaints alleging irregularities. Three resulted in fines, with the rest dismissed, pending, or found inconclusive. One way that the town committee severed its moderate past was by declining to participate in the candidate debates sponsored by the League of Women Voters of Greenwich. 
The league's local chapter was, quote, clearly biased and dominated by Democrats, Ms. McGillivray said, with a tendency to take, quote, strident vocal positions on political issues like voting rules. The chapter's president, Sandy Waters, a former Republican member of the Greenwich School Board, disputed every point. The nonpartisan organization's not-for-profit status allows it to support policy issues such as early voting, she said, and the decision by Republicans not to participate hindered the pursuit of an informed electorate. Candidates around the country are increasingly sidestepping events like debates, but some critics said that by doing so, Greenwich Republicans had managed to avoid questions about COVID vaccinations, abortion rights, the January 6th Capitol riot, false claims of electoral fraud, and Mr. Trump. Ms. McGillivray said that the subject of Mr. Trump played no role in the caucuses. She also wondered why, in 2022, the media remained obsessed with the man. Perhaps because Mr. Trump's ideology and style influenced local politics so profoundly that John Brunig, editorial page editor of the Stanford Advocate and Greenwich Time, described Greenwich as a three-party town, Democrat, Republican, and Trumplican. The Greenwich Republican ecosystem is such that James O'Keefe, the founder of the conservative activist group Project Veritas, is, practice, is practically a local celebrity. In March, Mr. O'Keefe promoted his latest book at a gathering in a Greenwich hotel that was organized with the help of Jackie Homan, the founder of the Greenwich Patriots and an unsuccessful candidate on the caucus slate that ousted the moderate Quigley group. Months later, Project Veritas released hidden camera video of a Greenwich Elementary School vice principal boasting to an unseen woman that he tried to block the hiring of conservatives, Roman Catholics, and people over 30. The circumstances behind the heavily edited video are unclear, and the vice principal, since suspended, did not make unilateral hiring decisions. Still, some Greenwich Republicans asserted that the video reflected a larger effort to, quote, indoctrinate students with specific political ideologies. This would include anti-racism training and social-emotional learning, which aims to nurture nurture mental well-being, among other goals, but which some on the right believe is intended to make white children feel guilty for being white. Such positions have baffled more moderate Greenwich Republicans like Mike Basham, a former member of the first Bush administration, who recently moved to South Carolina after many years as a prominent local leader of the party. Quote, how can people that bright believe some of this stuff? He asked. Who indoctrinated them? Mr. Trump's name doesn't need to appear on campaign signs for him to have sway in Greenwich. For example, there is Ms. Fiorello, 47, the state representative who is up for re-election. A participant in the effort to replace Mr. Quigley, she has moderated events with doctors accused of spreading misinformation about COVID, as well as with No Left Turn in Education, a group opposed to what it calls, quote, the radical indoctrination and injection of political agendas in schools. After the Federal Bureau of Investigation executed a search warrant at Mr. Trump's Mar-a-Lago estate in Florida, collecting boxes of material, including highly classified documents, that he had failed to return to the government, Ms. Fiorello posted a video expressing concern over the, quote, raid. Quote, we have to secure this republic, she said. Active and engaged citizens is what it takes. Peaceful protest. But citizens, we need to speak out and protect what this country is founded on. There are some things that are happening right now that are simply unacceptable, unacceptable and truly un-American. 
There is also Leora Levy, a wealthy Greenwich Republican who, in supporting Jeb Bush for president in 2016, described Mr. Trump as, quote, vulgar and ill-mannered. When Mr. Trump won the nomination, she set aside her concerns to become an enthusiastic supporter, and he later nominated her to be an ambassador to Chile. The nomination never received Senate approval. When Ms. Levy, 65, decided to challenge the Democratic incumbent, Richard Blumenthal, for the Senate this year, the state Republican committee declined to endorse her. But her local Republican committee did, as did Mr. Trump, during a phone call shared at a crowded party function. Six days later, Mrs. Levy won the primary. Since then, she has joined her Greenwich compatriots in trying to navigate the tricky Trump terrain. Quote, I was honored to win his endorsement. Ms. Levy told the Connecticut Mirror, a nonprofit news organization, quote, he and I ag- agree completely on policy, but I'm Leora Levy. Ms. Trump is not on the ballot. Leora Levy is. Last month, the Levy campaign held a fundraising event at Mar-a-Lago that featured Mr. Trump. For $25,000, you could have your photograph taken with the man who lost Greenwich twice. With a little extra time, we'll go on to another article. Can Republicans and Democrats find a way forward on immigration? By Eileen Sullivan, reporting from Washington. A drug needle goes into a person's arm. An adult and child walk through a graveyard. And footage of migrants walking along a sandy stretch of a border wall in Yuma, Arizona, streams while ominous music plays in the background of this video. It is a 40-second political ad in support of Blake Masters, the Republican candidate for Senate in Arizona, who is running against Mark Kelly, the incumbent Democrat. The ad connects fatal overdoses of fentanyl and methamphetamines to a spike in illegal illegal migration at the southwestern border. It is one of more than 400 political ads tying immigration to drugs this election cycle, according to America's Voice, a pro-immigration advocacy group. And it is part of a false GOP narrative that connects fatal overdoses of fentanyl to a spike in illegal migration and presents Republican immigration hardline immigration policies as an answer to crime and the drug epidemic. Most of the fentanyl comes into the country through official ports of entry on the southwestern border hidden in legitimate commerce. The false narrative, which resonates with voters across the country, is just one example of how toxic the issue of immigration has become. Republicans have stepped up attacks against President Biden as weak and ineffective on immigration, making it even more difficult for the Biden administration to secure any meaningful immigration reform after the midterm elections, especially if the GOP controls at least one legislative chamber. But even if Republicans win control in Congress and want to advance their immigration policies, particularly on border security, they will have to find some compromise with Democrats to overcome the 60-vote filibuster threshold in the Senate, something that has been elusive for years, regardless of party control. Here are some of the major immigration issues facing the Biden administration that would require striking a compromise with Republicans for any legislation to move forward. The Obama-era program, known as the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, 
protects hundreds of thousands of immigrants who came to the country as children and have grown up in the United States. Court challenges against the policy have been successful and appeals have largely been exhausted, leaving the fate of these immigrants, many of whom hold jobs in sectors that are already struggling to find workers, such as agriculture and manufacturing, in the hands of Congress. If Congress is unable to come to an agreement to enshrine the policy in law, and a judge stops allowing current participants, known as DREAMers, to renew their status, about 1,000 of them will lose the ability to work every business day over a two-year period, said Todd Schult, president of FWD.US, an immigration reform advocacy group that draws support from the tech industry. Quote, this would cause terrible unneeded human and economic hardship for millions of Americans, Mr. Schultz said in a recent letter to Democrats, referring to the DREAMers, others who would be eligible for the benefit and their family members. He said the result of so many forced out of the workforce, quote, would be extremely harmful for the company's economy. The top Republican in the House, Representative Kevin McCarthy of California, who is in line for the speaker role, has said that if the GOP wins back control, Striking a deal to protect DACA recipients in exchange for border security is a non-starter. But significant job losses in Republican districts among DACA recipients could force the Republicans' hands if their employers put pressure on their elected officials to find a solution. There has been and continues to be bipartisan support to create a pathway to citizenship for the DREAMers, according to a recent poll commissioned by FWD.US. But previous efforts have failed without enough Republican support. Quote, it's time, it's put up or shut up time for Republicans if they actually want to do something on border security, Mr. Schultz said in an interview with the New York Times. Democrats have already shown that they are open to some kind of compromise measure. This article is more extensive, but I'm afraid we've run out of time for today. So this will conclude the reading of the New York Times for today. Your reader has been Mary Fullington. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions concerning this program, please feel free to call us at 859-422-6390. Thank you for listening, and now please stay tuned for continued programming on Radio I. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.